This is the Worth Recovery Podcast, featuring women in addiction. Welcome back to the Worth Recovery Podcast, a podcast featuring women in addiction. My name is Amy. I am your host here at the Worth Recovery Podcast. I'm a sex addict and a food addict. I've been sober since December 2nd of 2012. I'm super excited and incredibly nervous to do this episode today with you all at the same time. It's kind of a huge flutter of emotions, but it's good. I'm really excited about it. One of the great things about doing a podcast is that it keeps you honest. I mean, I I guess I could lie about the things that I tell you and the things that I'm doing and that type of thing, but that would be really super counterproductive, right? So I don't. The whole point of this is to provide a safe place where I can share what recovery means to me and how recovery works for me and all about what I have to recover from and how I do that. And hopefully that you'll engage with me and be able to either learn some things, share some things, and also be able to provide a safe place for you to explore what recovery means for you. And that only works when I'm honest, totally, completely, 100% honest. So let's get honest. Earlier, excuse me, earlier this year, I know it's only February, but earlier in January, I came to the stark realization that I have not been all in in many areas of my life. In episode 80, I shared the question, are you all in? Are you all in when it comes to your recovery? And when it comes to other areas of your life as well, are you all in? Now, I intended to record some episodes really quickly about all in indicators and about different varying levels of being all in and all in distractors. I wanted to be able to record some episodes really quickly and I had some ideas and thoughts about all in indicators. How do you know if you're all in? And all in distractors. How do you know if you're faking it or if there's things that that are distracting you from being all in? The distractor episode was really easy to record because they are things that I was battling in my own life. They are things I've seen in the lives of others. They are excuses that we give each other and the layers of denial that we have and that we live behind as addicts. Episode 81, the all-in distractors came right away and was not difficult. However, all-in indicators has been much, much more difficult for me. And I think for a lot of reasons, I'm just going to give you three, but one, in my own recovery, I'm striving for progress and not perfection, right? That's what we're doing in recovery. We strive for progress and not perfection. Yet I have felt stagnant, stuck almost for a number of months. I feel like there is this next level of recovery that I want in my life and that I can even see and sometimes experience, but I feel like there is this canyon, this major gap between where I am and where I want to be. And I can't seem to figure out how to build that bridge to get across that gap. And so I kind of felt like a fraud thinking about all-in indicators because I was stuck. The second reason that this was difficult for me, because as I shared earlier, there are many areas of my life where I haven't been all-in. How do I talk about indicators for being all-in when I'm not all-in? 
It required me to do a pretty thorough and a pretty deep self-examination that took me some time. It has taken me some time to look at myself, deeply look at myself and my life and really figure out what is preventing me from being all in. And where are the areas that I need to focus on? And where are the areas that I'm still totally lost? It took me some time to kind of work through that and figure it out. And honestly, I'm still working through that and figuring it out. The third reason why this episode was hard for me was because once I figured it out and figured it out in some areas of my life, I didn't feel like I could come and share with you until I had made some changes and made some progress. Until I had some recent experiences to share and some indicators that I'm all in. I didn't want to to come and share with you these ideas if I wasn't actually living them. That's part of this whole being honest thing, right? This whole podcast that helps me to be honest. So I felt like these three things kind of really prevented me from really discussing what it meant to be all in and what indicators would look like in your life if you are all in. This has also been one of the amazing unintended consequences of doing this podcast. It really challenges me. It challenges me to make sure that I'm walking the walk and not just talking about recovery. It challenges me to stay engaged in the struggle. It challenges me to continually work on myself and to be all in in recovery. Just over a month ago, I was journaling. I was writing about all the frustration in my life. (laughs) I was writing about feeling stuck and having no direction and not sure where to go next and what to do. I was writing about my most recent family ups and downs and something inside of me kind of happened. Something happened. I started to feel sick. It was almost like a true nauseous feeling. I reread what I had written on the page and the thought entered my head, that is bullshit. For lack of a better word, I don't really know how to describe it other than that. It was just this feeling like this is bullshit. I wrote it down. This is bullshit. I'm tired of my own bullshit excuses. I'm tired of my own self-sabotage. I'm tired of the negative voices in my own head. Just the week before, we had this really great event here in Salt Lake City. I met so many amazing women in recovery. So many. And all the feedback was fantastic. Everyone had been excited to be there and left feeling hopeful. Just that week, I had also broken new records on number of downloads in a single day and the number of countries that have regular worth recovery listeners. Though my relationships with my family are not perfect, they are progressing. I looked around in my life and I looked for the negative voices. I looked for those people telling me that I can't do what I want, telling me that this won't work, telling me that I can't change or that I can't be successful. There were none. All of the frustration, all of the feeling stuck, all of the anxiety, all of the not being sure, all of that was coming from me, from me. And this wave of nausea kind of came over me again. Is this really all me, I thought? Is what I'm experiencing kind of my own fault or at least I'm the source of those feelings? Have I been stuck here because of my own doing? And the answer kept beating in my head. Yes, 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 yes. Yes. And as I realized that, that sick feeling kind of subsided. I've been working a lot lately to really be more in tune with my body and listen to what it's saying. And I felt like this was a really good step forward in that, in the fact that this sick feeling and this nausea helped me kind of make this realization 
that a lot of the things that I feel stuck in are stuck because of my own doing and things that I could change or work on or be different. And once I made that realization, that sick feeling subsided. Again, my body telling me that is truth. Like you can change and you can be different. After that sick feeling subsided, right then and there, I made some changes. Some things I'm going to share with you today, and some I'm not because I'm still working on them. Still work in progress. I am definitely a work in progress. But a new layer of denial kind of came off that day for me. A new level of awareness showed up in my life. A new level of honesty sunk deep into my soul, into my body, into my body and into my being. All at once, I knew some new truths about me. I had some new insights into my own trauma, my own self-sabotaging patterns, the inevitability of my own life. All of a sudden, this new layer of denial came off and some new truth showed up. And most of all, in this whole writing experience and kind of going through here, I knew it was time. I knew it was time to be all in. Wow, I didn't expect to get this emotional about this. I knew it was time to make changes. I knew it was time to take my recovery to a new, deeper level. It was time. And I've kept saying that to myself over and over again. It's time. It's time to do this. The next few weeks were difficult. After I had this amazing spiritual experience and felt this new truth and felt this new desire and motivation to make changes and to be different and knowing that it was time, the next few weeks proved to be difficult. As I looked at what was really in my control and what I really needed to change, it was difficult. I looked at the areas of my life where I had gotten lazy, the ones where I had just kind of given up completely. I looked at areas of my life that were taking too much of my time with not a lot of return. I looked at where I wanted my life to be and where I want things to be different. And I have had to face some real hard truths about myself. Beginning with what I don't even know about myself. The areas of my own self-knowledge and awareness that are kind of lacking. It has been a difficult and a great journey that is just beginning in my life. And I'm really, really excited about it. My emotion maybe doesn't convey that, but I really am excited about it. And I'm also scared to death because there's just a lot of unknowns, a lot of differences. But recently at a conference I attended, one of the presenters, I don't even know which one or I would give them credit for what they said, but they said this and it just kind of resonated with me. Fear and faith both believe in a future that hasn't happened yet. Fear and faith both believe in a future that hasn't happened yet. And then really enthusiastically, she said, choose faith, choose faith, choose to have faith in this future rather than be driven by fear since neither future has actually happened yet. So as I'm beginning this journey of stepping into my life, of learning to be all in, in all of the areas of my life, learning to be all in, in my life, I encourage you to choose faith. Both faith and fear believe in a future that hasn't happened yet. And I'm choosing faith. So today I want to share with you some of these indicators that I have found about being all in. Now, before I do that, I want to share a few announcements. I have a brand new thing to announce today, which I'm super excited about. Worth Recovery has now started blogging. 
Are you so excited? Because I am so excited. We've brought on board here at Worth Recovery an amazing sister in recovery named Shannon, who is going to be sharing her recovery journey and blogging with us. I'm super excited to have her as part of our team, and I'm excited to be bringing her story to the podcast very soon. You can find her recent blog posts at the website, www.worthrecovery.com slash blog. And I'm excited for you to be able to get to know her. Her journey has been inspiring to me. Her support has been inspiring to me. Her life is inspiring to me. And I'm excited to have her sharing some of her recovery journey with us in the blog. So you can get on the website, www.worthrecovery.com slash blog and read Shannon's experiences. Super excited for her and to be sharing this. And I'm super excited for you and for me because I've learned a lot in just reading a few blog posts that we have up there. And I'm excited that we're going to be interviewing her soon and bringing her story to the podcast. That will come really soon. Also, registration is now open for our event in Bothell, Washington. That's just outside of Seattle. The Seattle area coming up this summer in July. It's on July 15th. And I'm super, I know I say this all the time. I'm just so excited about the event that we have uh, scheduled for July. Our title of our event is Intentional Recovery. Healing happens on purpose. I totally believe that. Healing happens on purpose. I'm finishing up the final details of the lineup. We will have with us Stacy Sprout, who we've had on the podcast before. We'll also have Aaron Glade, who we've also had on the podcast before. And the information that they are going to share with us is amazing. I've talked with both of them and I am really excited about I'll get you some more information as we get closer and things like that. But you can get on the website now and get registered and look at some of that information that we have there. That's on the website, www.worthrecovery.com slash events, or you can just go to the events tab at the top when you get there, worthrecovery.com. I'm really, really thrilled about this event in July, and uh, I'm super excited and hope to be able to bring lots of women together in recovery. Before we move forward with our all-in indicators, I want to give a shout out to our Worth Warriors. You ladies are amazing. When a woman reaches out for help in addiction... It is my mission, the, the Worth Recovery mission, to provide the voice and the hand of a woman to reach back. Worth Warriors, you make that possible. I can't tell you how much I love you and am so grateful for you. It takes a lot of time to write, produce, edit, and post each of these podcast episodes to keep our website running, all of these things. You ladies who contribute monthly as a Worth Warrior, you guarantee that this podcast remains free for all of those women out there throughout the world. I can't thank you enough for that. If you've been enjoying what you're learning, if you're a regular listener, if this podcast has helped you even just a little bit, then get on the website and become a Worth Warrior. There are special perks and discounts for Worth Warrior, Worth Recovery events and other things. You can get the, you can join the Worth Warriors for as little as $4 a month. That's a little less than 50 cents an episode. Get on the website, look for the Warrior logo and join the club, worthrecovery.com. Okay, let's jump back to that day, that day that I felt sick. That day that I recognized a lot of my problem was myself getting in my own way. The voices in my head getting in my own way. I recognized some changes needed to be made and I recognized that I needed help with those changes. I can't do this all on my own. Recovery doesn't happen by myself, alone, in a room, by, by myself. I needed help. 
One of the first things I did was get a lot more real about my food recovery. I called my food sponsor and I got real. I asked for her help and started holding myself accountable to a new level. I made changes. Today, as of today, I've been off soda for nearly three weeks. And if you know me, you know that that's a super, super big deal. Because my daily caffeine ritual is was addictive, seriously. And so to be off soda for three weeks, to have gone through that nasty withdrawal and headache and all sorts of things is a super big deal for me. And it helped me to realize that one of the indicators that we are all in in our recovery or in other areas of our lives is that we voluntarily look for accountability. We seek it out. We make commitments and we stick to them. We seek for accountability. That's the first indicator I want to talk about today. We voluntarily look for accountability. One of the things I had to get real with about myself, especially early on in recovery when I first started, is the amount of pushback I had against accountability. I didn't want people to tell me what to do. I didn't want to have people shine a light or reflect back to me on my own behavior. I didn't want feedback. My whole life, I've always been the one with the answers. My whole life, I've been the source, playing God. Having all the answers for everyone else was my job. I was an overachiever. I had perfectionist tendencies. I didn't want someone, anyone, to come and tell me what I was doing wrong or that I could have handled something better or that even that my behavior wasn't serving me or causing problems. I was absolutely closed to feedback. I wanted praise and I wanted admiration, but definitely not feedback. And because I was an overachiever and a perfectionist, I got the praise and admiration I wanted. And I kept hidden the areas of my life that I knew would not be met with praise and admiration. So there was never any true accountability in my life. When I first started recovery for my sex addiction over five years ago, I had to learn what accountability was. I thought accountability was going to be all about shaming me and telling me the horrible things that I had done. I thought I would get yelled at and lectured to. That's what it had been my whole life. I also thought for sure if anyone knew what was going on in my life, they would walk away. They would abandon me. When I first started, my therapist was my first accountability. He helped me to make commitments. He coached me through the changes needed to keep that commitment and then pointed out to me the growth I was making and helped me troubleshoot if it went wrong. Because at the beginning, it went wrong a lot. (laughs) A lot. This was something I have really, really had to work on in recovery. I wasn't used to making commitments. Well, I was used to making commitments. Let's, Let's change that. I was used to making commitments, but I wasn't used to keeping commitments. And that is what accountability is for. It is for helping me keep commitments. I had committed to do a lot of things in my life. I mean, every time I acted out, I'd committed to stop acting out. But I had yet to keep those commitments. Accountability is about learning to keep commitments. At first, most of this accountability that we seek after has to be external. We have sponsors that help us, fellow travelers in recovery. We have friends and therapists. We have people that hold us accountable. They do what my therapist did. They help us make commitments, help us think through how we're going to keep that commitment. They help us make a plan. And then they reflect back to us the changes that they see. If it goes right, they support us in celebrating our success. 
If it goes awry, they help us in troubleshooting and getting back on track. It's all done in a non-judgmental, supportive attitude. When we grow in recovery, we develop more internal accountability. I can now keep a commitment to myself, and I don't always need to tell other people about it in order to make it happen, but that wasn't always the case. At the beginning, if I was going to keep a commitment, it had to be voiced outside, external accountability. When we are all in in recovery and the other areas of our life, we seek out the appropriate amount of accountability. We aren't scared of it. We don't fight back against it. We seek it out and we use it as a tool to help us make changes and move forward. Another indicator, our second indicator we're going to discuss today that we are all in has to do with being connected and staying connected to our own feelings. We develop an addiction or a dysfunctional behavior out of the desire to escape our feelings and emotions. At some point in time, they, these emotions, they were too difficult to bear. We didn't have coping strategies or processing tricks and techniques that helped us move through emotion. Maybe we were taught that emotion was bad. We didn't understand or have, or maybe we had destructive models of how to feel, how to process, how to recover, how to cope, how to move forward. Maybe we didn't have knowledge or models at all for us on any of those things. Whatever our unique situation, a desire to escape was born. A need to either not feel at all or to manufacture the feelings we desired was developed. When I was first in recovery, every single emotion that I tapped into felt overwhelming. Every single time I identified that I was angry, I felt like I was instantly drowning in the amount of anger I felt. It wasn't just the anger of what was right in front of me. It was years and years of anger that I had never, ever allowed myself to feel. It was dark and overwhelming and vast and deep. And it took days, sometimes weeks, to pull myself out of an emotion. I didn't want to feel because the depth of each feeling would take over my life If I said I was angry, I was angry for days. If I said I was sad, I would cry for days. If I was mad, glad, frustrated, foggy, happy, pissed off, surprised, scared, anything, any emotion, it would be days of that emotion. It was overwhelming and it was exhausting. I didn't want to feel. It took too much effort and it was just so exhausting. I had developed in my life multiple strategies to stop that from happening, to stop feeling. My sex addiction was just one of many ways I had learned to stop feeling or to manufacture the feelings I was looking for. Some other ways that I learned to stop this include eating, drinking certain foods, certain amounts of food, shopping, buying things, lying to others about situations, gossiping, workaholic tendencies. I'm a total workaholic. Perfectionism, binging on TV, sleeping more than's needed, etc. These are just some of them, some of the behaviors I developed to stop feeling. At first, when I was trying to stop acting out sexually, I relied on these other behaviors to get me through the day. They say that you have to deal with your top plate first, and sex addiction was definitely my top plate. I used some of these other behaviors to help get me sober, but soon afterwards, I realized that they weren't working for me either, and I had to give them up. I had to learn to feel and stay connected with my feelings as much as possible. Slowly through my recovery, I have given up different behaviors. One of the most recent sacrifices I'm making so that I can stay connected to my feelings is soda. 
See, and, and this is just me. I'm not recommending that everyone give up soda, but for me, when I stop and get an extra large Coke Zero with three lime wedges in it, I feel invincible. Honestly. It may sound silly, but it's true. I feel like I can handle whatever the day is going to throw at me. I feel like I'll make the right decisions and then I can get anything done. I also feel have this feeling of being accepted and like I'm in the cool kids club. I know speaking it out loud sounds a little childish, but it's true. Coke Zero has a way is a way that I manufacture the feeling I want to feel, the feeling of being in control, the feeling that I can do anything. Because when I don't stop and get that drink, I feel a little out of sorts. I feel weaker. I feel like my ability to handle things appropriately is diminished. I feel like I can't focus. In my weeks of self-evaluation, I came to the conclusion that soda is something I'm going to have to give up if I want to stay connected to my real emotions and not manufacture an effect in my life. I know I'm all in when I'm connected to my authentic feelings and I do things to stay connected to those feelings. I'm not seeking ways to escape or ways to disconnect. There are great strategies for working through emotions in the episodes I did with Jonathan Taylor. You can look for those episodes. They're called Big Emotions if this is something that you're struggling with. I know at first those big emotions are huge, and it is. It feels like a pool that you're drowning in. But the more that you work through those emotions, the more that you stay with those emotions, the less fear I have of my own emotions. I'm not scared of feeling things. I know it's not going to take me under for days. I know it's not going to cause problems in my life. I can feel Learn from that feeling and move on. So what the second indicator that you are all in in your life and in your recovery is when you're seeking ways to stay connected to your own authentic feelings. Okay, the third and final all-in indicator I want to discuss with you today is this. My first therapist in recovery, Erin, used to call this leaning into the pain. When we stay, when we make those choices to stay connected to our emotions, we're leaning into the pain. I want to share with you the story from Christine Kane that I shared in our episode in All In Distractors. It comes from Christine Kane, an interview I listened to of her. She's the author of the book, Unashamed, Drop Your Baggage and Pick Up Your Freedom. Anyway, I was listening to this interview that she did and she was talking about recovery. She used the word recovery. Now she was talking about recovery from knee surgery but I think the lesson applies to all of us in recovery. She said her surgeon told her that anyone can fully recover from the type of knee surgery that she had, anyone, that it wasn't even hard. But she, but the surgeon continued that most don't. Most don't regain their full range of motion or the full strength of their knee and as a result, the full strength of their leg. She was floored by this. If it's easy to recover and anyone can do it, why don't they? If it wasn't that hard, why didn't they do it? Why didn't they continue in recovery and heal all the way? His answer was, because it is too painful. Recovery is painful. I know that. Recovery is painful. And you have to lean into that pain of recovery if you want to fully heal and regain your strength. We know we are all in in recovery when we are willing to lean into the pain of recovery. And what exactly does that mean? It means when we find something painful, something difficult, something hard, rather than recoil and avoid it, we lean into it. We start to get curious. We say, why does this hurt? Why is this difficult? Why am I so emotional over this? 
not in a way to shame ourselves. We're not, you know, trying to shame ourselves, but really try to understand the pain that's going on. We try to understand what is happening for us, understand the context, the circumstances, the events that led up to that pain. In recovery, we reconnect with our body and we experience pain. We feel it in our body. We get curious. We ask the same questions. Why does that hurt? Why am I tensing up? Where do I feel that hurt? Why is this difficult? We build awareness around our own pain. Then we lean into it even more. We start to ask the how questions. How can I work through this? How much of this is really my responsibility? How can I prevent this pain in the future if possible? What tools do I need? How do I let this go? How do I change? We lean into it a little bit more when we actually do the hard work. We change. We do different things. We act on the new tools and the new information that we have learned. So we start by leaning into that pain, by actually feeling it, not recoiling. And then we start to get curious and ask. Ask the questions. Why does this hurt? Why is it difficult? We ask the why questions. We lean in a little bit more when we ask the how questions. How can I work through this? How much of this is my responsibility? How can I change or prevent this pain in the future? How do I let this go? How do I change? And then we lean in a little bit more when we actually act on that information, when we use those tools. And like with knee surgery, we recover. I had my hip replaced a little over three years ago due to a genetic issue I have with my hips. It was painful really, really painful. I'm just now three years later, feeling like my leg is almost back to full capacity, back to full strength. But I've had to seriously work at it and endure a lot of painful physical therapy and exercise. We have to lean into the pain of recovery. We have to stay engaged in the painful hard work. This is one of the indicators that we are all in when we lean into this pain of recovery. Now, these three indicators, seeking accountability, staying connected with my emotions, and leaning into the pain of recovery, are just three of many indicators that you could look for as evidence in your life that you are all in. Whether that's all in in your recovery, all in professionally, all in with your family, all in with your higher power, anywhere in your life that you want to be all in, I have found that these three indicators to be the best for me to evaluate where I'm at. Now, I want you to know that I am not perfect at this. (laughs) Today is actually a really hard day for me to be all in. I want to be. I want to do all the right things and be all in every single day of my life. I try. (laughs) I really do. However, I'm not perfect and perfection isn't even my goal. And some days are just not great for being all in. Some days are not great recovery days. Some days I struggle to get out of bed and do normal daily activities. For a long time, I would shame myself on those days. I would go into a spiral thinking things like, come on, Amy, your life is so easy. Why is it so hard for you to get up? Or people have it a lot harder than you and they get up every day and get things done. It usually goes into, you're so lazy. You're such a slob. Why would anyone listen to you and want to spend time with you? Then things like, you deserve to be alone and unsuccessful. You can't even function on a normal day. Yeah, there's just a little glimpse into some of the demons that I fight. You hear people say things like, no matter what, get up and show up. And so I start shaming myself. 
I might not be doing enough. My recovery must be lacking because I can't seem to make things work today. Or I'm a total fraud because I can't do everything every day that I want to do. Today is one of those days for me. And so I got up and I did all three indicators. I sought some outside accountability around two issues going on in my life that I'm working on. I let myself connect with my emotions and shared some emotionally charged things I'm dealing with. And rather than shame myself over all the things I need to be doing and want to be doing but haven't done in the last couple of weeks, like record podcast episodes, (laughs) I ask myself, what two things need to get done today? What two things can I do that will prevent me from regretting this day tonight? I lean into this pain a little bit, right? And I do those two things. Today, one of those things was record a podcast episode. So if you're struggling with feeling all in, If you're struggling with your inconsistency from day to day, if you worry that you're not making progress because some days it feels like you can't get it together, you're in the right place because me too. Some days I can't get it together. And for me, looking at these indicators and using them to help me on these days is evidence to me that I am all in because I am all in. Even on the days when it's really hard, I am all in. And so I use these indicators to help me. Before we close, here is your action item for today, right? Your assignments. Because this year, we're all about acting on this information. I want you to use these indicators to evaluate your own recovery. First, evaluate your accountability. Do you have accountability? Do you seek it in recovery? Are you pushing back against it? Maybe you shouldn't be, but you are. Or are you using it to help you move forward? Really think about and evaluate your accountability. Second, I want you to think about your emotions. Are you connected with your emotions on a regular basis? Maybe right now they're incredibly overwhelming. And so you can connect with them sometimes. And sometimes you have to uh, kind of distract yourself. I get that. That was my life for a long time. But I want to think about are you connected with your emotion? Part of that would be evaluating the behaviors that you use to escape from your emotions. Maybe you're not acting out in your primary addiction area, but are there other behaviors that you're using to escape and that you need to maybe eliminate? Assess these behaviors. Decide on the ones that you need to eliminate from your life. For me, that's Coke Zero. And move on. Third, are you leaning into the pain of recovery? Are there areas in your life that you're avoiding because they're too painful? Are you engaged in the hard work or are you kind of just half-assing it? Are you digging deep and doing the painful work? If not, you need to make the changes that you need to, right? Because we want to fully recover. We don't want to just half recover. We don't want to kind of recover. We want to gain the full use of our knee and leg again, like Christine Kane says. I hope you have found these helpful today. I know they have been helpful for me, especially in the last few months as I work to look for a new level of recovery in my own life. And I also hope today that you can find some compassion for yourself because it's hard to be all in and it's hard to be in recovery and some days are harder than others. And some days simply getting one thing done, one major thing done is an indicator that I'm all in because I'm allowing that space for grief and I'm allowing that space for emotion in my life and it might take me under some days. But I'm allowing that space, I'm allowing to work through it, and I'm staying connected to my feelings as I move forward and lean into that pain a little bit. 
Ladies, as always, I hope that you remember that you are worth recovery. No matter what is going on in your life, no matter how shameful you feel, no matter what others around you are saying or doing, you are worth recovery. You're worth, you're 100% worth recovery and you're also worth 100% recovery all the way. I believe in you. I know that you can do it. So keep up the fight. Don't forget, you can support Worth Recovery by being a Worth Warrior. If this podcast has helped you even a little bit, if you think it's worth 50 cents, get online and join the movement. All the details are on the website, worthrecovery.com. And don't forget to do your own homework, your own assessment, your own evaluation of where you're at and the areas of your life that you need to be a little bit more all in and how you can take that to the next level. Remember that I think about you, I pray for you, and I love you. Until next time, Amy. stuff. The mission of Worth Recovery is to dispel shame and build hope in the lives of women struggling with and recovering from sex addiction. I am not associated with any 12-step group, religious organization, or therapeutic clinic. I am an addict sharing my own experiences and recovery.